Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, the ultimate education show on the forefront of the burgeoning edtech revolution. Join us each week as we interview the most cutting-edge edtech companies, content creators, and curriculum developers across the planet. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. And today, we have another amazing guest from the world of YouTube education. And just recently, I came back from Educon, which was a gathering of all these YouTube educators. It got me really inspired and very excited to see all the amazing individuals out there trying to create positive content. Now, the gentleman that I'm interviewing today, I actually haven't met before. But I've seen his YouTube channel, and it's amazing. It's about something that actually I've covered people that make channels somewhat on topic, you know, generally related to science. But this is specifically related to chemistry, and it's it's a really, really cool channel. He's got 380,000 subscribers, and the channel is called Nile Red. Uh, some of the really notable videos are on creating chloroform from household chemical agents, which is really interesting. And another one all about what does DNA taste like, uh, just to name a few. So without further ado, the creator of Nile Red, Nigel, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your background in education and chemistry. No, in terms of education and chemistry, I actually don't really have a proper chemistry background. Um, I did. I'm in Quebec, so we do Sejep here. So I did my sciences in Sejep, went to university. Um, I was originally in biology, and then I went into biochemistry. I see. And so you graduated in biochem, and then what was the impetus to start making educational videos? I wasn't really sure whether I wanted to go into research, if I wanted to do that in academia, if I wanted to go into industry. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of knew that I didn't like biochem research and a lot of the jobs that were biochem related. And a friend of mine was working in um, as a lab tech in a chemistry lab, and they needed someone desperately just to mix solutions and do some basic stuff. So he offered me the job, and I got hired, I think, like a few days later. And that was my first – besides the chem labs that I had to do for my degree, that was the first time that I, I guess, was properly working in a lab doing not just following like – uh, the procedures that were given to me by the teachers or the course. And then after that, my friend left to go work at a, a chemical company as a technician. And I took his position over as the lab tech. And that ended up being the lab tech for uh, the organic chemistry lab. Now, what was it about working in a laboratory or Part to, you know, following these protocols or creating these protocols, what was it about that process that was intriguing to you? Honestly, I'm not really sure. I think you're the you're the first person who's really asked that and made me think about it. Um, I don't know. I just found something very satisfying, I guess, about putting all these chemicals together, having these changes occur that you know, like these chemical reactions occur and then getting a desired product out of it. The idea of just being able to 
I guess, predict the outcome and have everything designed and prepared beforehand. I don't know. I thought it was very uh, just the whole process was very satisfying. And the idea of taking these chemicals with very different chemical properties and then making a unique one out of it. I don't know. I just found it very uh, never thought I never honestly thought too much about it. I just knew that I always liked doing the labs. And I think that's what that's what chemistry is all about is watching those interactions. You even see in the famous show, uh, it does have a bit of a negative spin to it. But Breaking Bad, he talks about, Mm -hmm. you know, the great he's so passionate about chemistry and basically explains it in the way which I think we can do with a lot of scientific disciplines and even in mathematics say that everything is chemistry, which really it is. We could Mm -hmm. also, I think, put the same spin with math. So you were you were fascinated by by these interactions and you found it very fulfilling when when did you get the idea to film and narrate one of these reactions? So it was kind of I, – I, I don't think – I don't remember all the details. But before I worked in the lab as the lab tech, my hobby was photography. That's what I, I – I, yeah, I just like doing photography in general. So my idea was I was like I'm in this lab. My contract ends in seven months or it was a seven month long contract. And I was like, I might as well take advantage that I could use all these chemicals. And I was like, I could take photos and document everything that I did. And the, not the lab coordinator, but one of the profs told me that I had the, I was allowed to try out what I wanted as long as what I did could be potentially used by students in the future. So it was kind of like a little research endeavor to see, um, to scope out maybe some new labs and things that students could do. And I originally planned to just take photos and that was it. But I think I don't, I think I took photos for one project and then I looked at it and I was like, this just doesn't represent like what I'm doing because everything's just so still like that chemistry is so dynamic. So then on my DSLR, I had a video option and I was like, okay, I'll just take videos. So I took all the videos and then I was like, okay, well this, you have no idea what's happening. So I have to narrate something. I have to say what's happening. So the idea in the beginning was to just narrate it like kind of like a lab report so that if I watched it, it was like a complete project. So if I looked at the video later, I'd know what happened. And in my head was in three years, if I want to repeat this project, I can just watch this video and do it for myself. Like I never really planned to really make it for other people. It was mostly just for myself and maybe to show some friends. I find that to be the case with a lot of people. I think that's so cool when professors are flexible in that sense, allow you to use different media, and then that experimentation within a class setting can evolve into something like what it's evolved into for you. Uh, and I know I've definitely had that same experience in in terms of getting the inspiration from my YouTube channel. So that's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And now you have this really, really popular YouTube channel, 300 180,000 subscribers. How did that, I mean, was that a, was that something that grew quickly right when you started it or were there, was there a lengthy period where it was just kind of slowly growing and then it just exploded? How did that come about? It's, I think that it's, yeah, it, it, it was very slow. Like I think I know generally off the top of my head, how long it took to get to various milestones. I think it took a year and a half to get to 10,000 subs. And then it took another year to get to a year and a bit to get to a hundred. And then it took, wait, one, yeah, a hundred was at the end of 2016. 
And then it took another year to get to 300. So things explode pretty quickly. But I think it was at the end of 2016, I had 100K. And by like mid-2017, it was at like 145 or something. And I thought that I was like, okay, well, the channel's like very stagnant now. But then I posted that video about aluminum and mercury. And I think within like be- before the end of the year, I had 300K. So, so it was really based around those explosive, those really popular videos that took off. I think they had got like six or seven million views. Is that right? Oh, that that one's, yeah, the most popular one. But it's like it's very hard to predict and control. It's like the first time when it went from 10K to like 40K, it's because somebody posted my video to Reddit, my one with the, the mercury snake. And I don't know. It's just like it's it's a very random thing because – People have been posting it before, but it never really – it just never got interest. And then all you need is like one company to maybe post it on – whether permission or not, post it on Facebook. People see it, wonder what it is. They maybe find the Reddit link. Like it's it's a very weird thing. You can make stuff that you think is going to absolutely be viral and it goes nowhere. And then you make stuff that you go – like the aluminum mercury one I thought was cool, but I posted it when I was on vacation. Like I didn't think too much of it. I posted it from my phone on vacation. But I love hearing that because I do think that, of course, there is randomness in there. But I think the overarching message is that you were consistent. You created a lot of really good mm-hmm. content. And even this, maybe you didn't think it was your strongest piece, but it was obviously still you You were maintaining a quality standard level, uh, which is why it eventually went viral, which is which is amazing. And now, like, let's talk about some of your videos. What are, what are some of the videos, if you could name, like, maybe two or three that you think are your strongest or, or most interesting? Hmm. Um, that's definitely hard to do considering, uh, I remember like just yesterday I was driving home and I couldn't remember the last video that I did. <laughs> Let's talk about, well, I want to talk about the DNA, eating DNA. Cause that was really interesting. First of all, I didn't even know that you could extract DNA in that mechanical sense where you like crushed up strawberries and then you mixed it around and kind of sifted to the top. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't know any of that. Tell us a little bit about that. What was, what sparked that idea to not only extract the DNA, but then eat it. Well, it's kind of like I knew you could extract DNA because in my biochem degree, the in one of the labs, the one that I thought was the coolest was when we took DNA out of chicken liver. I think it was chicken liver. And as usual, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't a good student. So it's like, well, I won't say I wasn't a good student. I was not a very dedicated student, I'd say. So like the pre-labs were always half done. I never really knew what I was doing in the lab. And this was for biochem, not organic. I was much more prepared for the chemistry stuff. But so I know that there was a time where my lab partner was just doing it. I pour in the the alcohol and then all the DNA came out and it just blew my mind. So since then, I'd honestly, I'd been wanting to redo it myself. Um, and I found that the easiest way to do it was with strawberries. So my original plan was to just extract the DNA and that was it. But I don't know. I just, I just got curious to know what it would taste like. <laughs> I feel like, like I feel like I'd be scared to try. I don't know why because you, you, you consume it all the time when you're mm-hmm. just eating anything. But of course. It, it seemed it definitely I would have – I don't think I would have wanted to do that. <laughs> I think that honestly knowing that it's going to be documented for a video gives some courage – like if I was just alone 
and I didn't have a YouTube channel, I don't, I, pro- I probably still would have tasted it, but I wouldn't have been as, um, like bold about it. I would have definitely questioned myself a bit more. Fair enough. So we've, I've seen that video. I've seen, uh, a handful of your other really cool videos. Talk, let's talk a little bit about the chloroform video. What okay. was, what was the inspiration there? Honestly, there wasn't too much inspiration because the way that the channel worked at the beginning, because that was a very, that's an early on video. I think, I don't know how long in, but I think it was, it's within the first year of me making the channel. And by the way, before, before we jump into it, can you explain a little bit, describe what was, what is the, that video all about for the, for listeners? Oh, I mean, very simply, I just make uh, a solvent called chloroform from acetone and household bleach. And what is chloroform used for? What was it historically used for? Um, it was historically one of the first anesthetics uh, that was discovered. I don't remember the exact history, but it was one of the first ones that they knocked someone out with and were successfully able to do an operation with. Um, and over since then, it's it's been commonly used. I mean, not for anesthesia, got phased out for better things, uh, but it's been used commonly in the lab for uh, just as a, a solvent. It's a, it's a highly chlorinated solvent and it has, I don't know, it has useful properties, but late it's kind of poisonous. So it's been replaced with something called dichloromethane. So I almost never use chloroform. It's kind of rare for me to ever actually use it, but it is in stock in most organic labs. I see. All right, so let's talk about the the video content. Now, you actually went out and I think you got some household items and you created chloroform. Mm-hmm. So the procedure I followed was from, I don't remember who it was. It was pretty well established because there's an online community of people who do chemistry. Someone came up with that um, procedure of pouring, they dumped out a bit of the bleach, poured acetone in and there's it does a reaction called the ha- I don't know if I'm pronouncing it the haloform reaction, and you end up getting chloroform as one of the products. I but see. it's very simple, just acetone from the uh, from the hardware store and bleach from the I guess the grocery store or wherever you get bleach from. Very cool. What do you have next on your agenda for the next few months or even year? What are you planning to create on your for your channel? Um. So that's, it's a funny question. Whenever people ask me that, I kind of, uh, there's, there's a good long answer involved because for the longest time, actually I was going to mention that about the chloroform when the, when the channel first started, I was kind of just making random videos all the time. And I was just interested to see, I was very much interested in just the process alone. So I would just make the, make it and then be done with it. So that was in the era when I made the chloroform. But now the videos have evolved to like the DNA one where not only did I extract it, I was like, I'm going to try something out with it after I've uh, done the chemistry. So, but in general, I have a, so sorry, the overall goals of the video have kind of shifted and the focus has shifted a lot more on why this chemistry is useful, why the product's useful, what I can do with it. But the, prop, the thing that hasn't changed is my organization. Uh, so I kind of just end up releasing whatever video I think I want to release next. Uh, and as I come up with ideas, I just put them in a giant list. 
So it's very, very disorganized. So it's very hard to say what will come out next. And I'm like, I have some cool things that I know will be out within the next few months. But it's like, for example, I was working on a video on cyanotyping where I developed my own photos. That was supposed to be released two weeks ago. But I ran into problems and ended up having to sideline that for a bit while I get footage. So that should be out in the next month or so. But I have, yeah, I have, I, if, you, if you want me to, I can mention some other ones that should be out in the next few months. Well, let, let's shift the focus a little bit. I want to talk about, because I mean, it is, it's an education channel. It's about a very mm-hmm. difficult subject for a lot of students. What's been the reaction or what's been the engagement from chemistry students who may be having a tough time, come across your channel and find your videos? What, what have they said to you in the comments? Well, when my, when my channel first started, as I said before, it was very much focused on the process itself. So I went into a lot more detail on exactly what was happening. And I gave, I gave more details on like the, the mechanism and everything. So I think, yeah, a couple of years ago, it was, if you were struggling in the lab or for a lab report, you could watch my video and you should be able to fully understand everything. But I don't know if this is, it's, it's good and it's bad. Over time, the, the channel has shifted. So now I'm focusing, focusing more on why the science is interesting and a little less focus on the, the nitty gritty of stuff. But in general, I don't, I, I don't think the sentiment has really changed. People can't really use it necessarily to get all the answers for their lab reports, but they, a lot of people generally like it because my focus has always been on to why this, why what I'm doing is interesting and why you should find it interesting as well. So people who are struggling with a certain process in chem, I know when I was in org, they would tell you, oh, learn this reaction. And this reaction is good because it makes this product. And they never know the relevance, like the starting materials have no relevance to them. And the final product has no relevance. So it makes it very hard for them to remember or to have any interest. But if they find one of my videos where I mention and I talk about this, it suddenly has relevance to them and they can now find this process interesting and it's easier to remember. I At think, least that's what I think. I think that's so true in mathematics as well, where you, you have to provide some context and mm. actually engage people to, to, well, not only to ge- engender some sort of uh, enthusiasm for the subject, but absolutely to be able to connect the dots. What is, why am I learning this? That's a question that my students ask me all the time. And I think it's a valid question that should be answered. So I think what you're doing is amazing, especially for a subject that's as important to a well-rounded education, also to mm-hmm. the real world, the engineering world. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's really amazing what you're doing. If people want to find out more, if people want to check out your channel or, or contact you or engage, how can they do that? Um, the best way to do it is Twitter. I, I, I answer, like, I think almost every day I check uh, the tweets that I get and where I'm mentioned. Unfortunately, I don't always answer to every single person. But like, if you do tweet me, I will read it. And if I don't answer, either I, yeah, I probably forgot. And, and what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's just at NileRed2. Okay. Just at- the number two. At Nile Red too, and if people want to check out your YouTube channel, they go to YouTube and search for Nile Red. Yeah, like that'd be very easy to find. 
Okay, so guys, if you're listening, uh, I will definitely post all those links in the description in the show notes so you can check it out there. You can also rewind the podcast and write down what we just said. But if you want to check out the show notes, go to scalarlearning.com and just check the podcast section and look for this episode. And remember, new podcast episodes are dropping every Monday. So check back every Monday for new podcast episodes. And if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel yet, make sure to do that. Go to YouTube, search for Scalar Learning. We've got new SAT content coming out every week to prep you for the math section of the SAT. We also got new math music videos coming out on the regular. So check back for all that stuff. And I want to once again thank my guest, Nile Red, Nigel, the creator of Nile Red. This was awesome. And I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scalar, learning, give me that skill.